behind the scenes at Score North and 1500 ESPN have sports opinions. So they want you to hear them. It's the perfect digital sports soapbox to scratch that Minnesota sports itch. This is the Score North Taxi Squad. Do, 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 do. With the 23rd pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC. Welcome into your favorite Score North podcast, everybody. It's the Taxi Squad. Hope everybody's having a wonderful week. I'm one of your cabbies on duty today, Jason Stormer. I'm joined with the usual suspects today, AJ Frederickson and Artis Woods. Guys, how you doing? We got a whole lot of draft recap for the Minnesota Vikings and the entire NFL. How are we feeling today? Feeling pretty good, man. Um, you know, currently watching some playoff basketball. My Lakers are still in it, fighting hard right now. So it, it's good to see NFL draft just wrapped up. So, you know, I, I like a bit of what the Vikings did. I like a lot of what the Philadelphia Eagles did. So I'm feeling, you know, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good on this lo- lovely uh What's today? Tuesday? Thanks. So. Tuesday. Yeah, okay. Tuesday. I'm, I'm losing track of my days, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, feeling pretty good. Yeah. No, I. Uh, we, we, we've got still playoffs rolling along for both NBA and ML or uh, NBA and NHL. Unfortunately, both Minnesota teams get left behind, but, you know, we'll have to look to greener pastures. It's not like we haven't dealt with, uh, you know, those first round exits before. So it's it's something that unfortunately we're more than more than used to. Uh, but we have NFL draft stuff. I think I got to see artists outside of the building last uh, last Thursday for a wee little bit. He was chatting it up, uh, what kissing kiss uh, kissing baby, shaking hands at the uh, at the good old Park Tavern at the draft party. That was a lot of fun. Um, no, just uh, just a, a a grand old time. And uh, I I think we should just get right into it because we've got some big old draft news, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I mean, that was actually going to be my first question for you guys is how was the draft party? How was the experience at Park Tavern? Did you consume enough Surly's to be satisfied? Uh, did everybody have a good time? Yeah, it was great, man. It was it was fun to be part of that atmosphere. People came out. It was it was a packed house. It was mm-hmm. really a packed house. I was really happy with the crowd that showed up. I was the person I was doing a lot of the social media content. So for everybody who liked all the social media content, that was me behind the scenes doing a I lot of the recordings. Yeah, boy. back in a lot of like the shots and artists was just in the background, like on his phone, like recording stuff. We're going like, yeah, let's go Vikings. Even though we know that you were just paying attention to the Eagles the whole time and having a wonderful, <laughs> I know you had a wonderful Thursday with what the Eagles did. I did. I, I definitely did. I tried to hide that fandom as much as possible, <laughs> you know, as much as possible. When the Eagles drafted, I kind of went into a whole another, area just to watch that <laughs> then i came back okay oh oh Jalen carter okay celebrate hey take a little mm. you know a shot of surly okay let's run back you know finish you know <laughs> working actually working so it was a lot of fun man like i said it was packed it's always nice to see the few people who did recognize me for either my face or my voice it's always nice to see people like, hey you know that's that's artist or that's aj or that's you know whoever so the tiktok guy was my nickname <laughs> tiktok guy, like, guy so i thought that was pretty pretty cool so you well, know, no, the, I, fu- uh... the, the funny part about that is i got there God, i don't know maybe a little after like nine o'clock like it was getting close the vikings were in like maybe five picks which you know for nfl draft terminology on night one that's like 30 minutes mm-hmm. but 
I, I walk in there and I was just like, okay, I got, I, I, I can only really pop over here for a second because I'm with some other people at a different table. Um, I just want to check it out. And I go into a huge crowd. I'm kind of like making my way through the mob, blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, just working out. I see Ross Brendel up at the front. I'm like, okay, I'll go say hi to him real quick. And then I'll head back. But on my way there, I see a guy in, in, in sweatpants. And keep in mind, this is a packed bar, a packed bar, <laughs> not a lot of airflow. But sweatpants, uh, Vikings before I die sweatshirt, and he's got a burger in his hand. And I'm like, I think that's Artis. Peek around. <laughs> hey, what's up? Just cooler than a cucumber. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's, he's, he's chatting up two guys who uh, I guess recognize him. And I think that speaks to just how much better you are at the TikTok stuff and just social media than, than both Jason and I. Because I, they thought I was probably just some random guy. <laughs> no, it was it was cool aj walks up to me he's like hey what's up I'm like, oh what's up aj man how you doing da, da, da. You know, i'm feeling pretty good i've had a couple surlies at the time you know so i'm feeling really good you having a good to. time and aj's like hey you know these guys and i'm like no they just they just recognize me from tiktok i've been talking to these guys <laughs> for the last 10 minutes ever since so, oh that's crazy oh that's what's up so it was, no, it was fun like i said it's, it's always fun to see people that recognize me and it's always fun to to talk to people to mingle and you know talk football um it, it was it was nice it was it was a good time it was definitely a good time i have a whole bunch of fomo right now after those stories, I, I didn't get to go, obviously, because we had to run the draft on actual 1500 ESPN. And I, I don't know, the highlight of the evening was that I ordered some pizza afterwards. I mean, that, that was that was pretty much it. But it was still a lot of fun. I think it's I, I take for granted, actually, just some of the cool things we actually get to do as producers here at 1500 and score north. Like we get to we get to produce NBA finals games in the Twin Cities, World Series games, the NFL draft and before I before I came to Hubbard Broadcasting, you know, the most sports I was like producing at the time locally was maybe a couple college football games for uh, FCS for like North Dakota State and uh, even St. John's at the time too at my old job. And so I always take a moment, no matter what, whenever we have these big broadcasts that we do here locally, to just kind of sit back and realize, dude, like it's actually pretty cool that you get to do this. And that you get yes. to actually help deliver this broadcast to the entire Twin Cities for whoever's listening. And we had the exclusive rights for the actual draft here in the Twin Cities. So it was really cool just to know that, like, yeah, like probably a ton of people are listening in their cars right now or uh, via our podcasts. And so it's just kind of cool to just realize that you get to do this sometimes. And, you know, that uh, encapsulates in moments where you get to run the board for stuff like this, where we have these awesome draft parties at all the wonderful uh, event places that we've gotten to host these kind of things and so yeah i always try to just take a moment just realize it yeah, just kind of be thankful at the the place i'm at and just how it's kind of cool that we get to just you know do sports as our jobs like this we get to cover it we get to you know produce it we get to even host a podcast about it so it's a lot of fun and i'm glad everybody had a wonderful time at park tavern or wherever you may have been uh, a lot of people also joined us on our youtube channel we were live all throughout the night got a ton of views for that i believe we're also we were also on all of our social media platforms as well so thank you so much everybody for just supporting us at score North throughout the draft and supporting score North in general. We always appreciate it. And we're glad that you had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun uh, with you guys too. All right, guys, 
Let's dig into it. The actual draft itself. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, to maybe a few people surprised, but not necessarily mine. I remember saying last week on the podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked a wide receiver in the first round. They ended up doing so. Like I said at the beginning, they drafted Jordan Addison in a run of wide receivers that involved Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jordan Addison was the fourth guy picked out of those guys at number 23. Uh, guys, we got our wide receiver number two across from Justin Jefferson, at least. What were your guys' reactions to the pick? I was fine with it. I um, I was, you know, kind of in the camp of, like, for the for the content, I kind of wanted Will Levis. For sure. <laughs> but so, for sure. really, and I want to preface, solely for the content that would have came out of it. In the reality, uh, that I think was the right pick. And especially after I saw some of the like behind the scenes footage that the team releases where it seemed like in every single one <laughs> KOC goes up to Quaze and he's like, ah, you stuck to the plan. I love it. Yeah. Well, we stuck to the plan and <laughs> you can see Casey Quasey was probably like dreaming of, Oh my God, I bet you we could get a third rounder and another fourth rounder. Oh, we, all we got to do is just move back like four spots. And, you know, no, I, if you have a guy that's there and you're like, you want him, go get him. And Jordan Addison, I think uh, immediately is going to be able to probably slot in. And our guy, Thor Nystrom, um, you can catch him and Tyler Fornis on the Purple Daily on draft, which is a now yearly uh, show specifically surrounded around the draft. Uh, they're so much better at just analytical stuff like that than I am. And I think all of us are. Uh, Thor had some pretty like, great stuff right off the rip of he's going to be able to probably slot in right away. He's going to be the wide receiver too. So he's getting matching up with a lot of other teams, like number two cornerbacks. So he's going to shine probably more than what you might think. So uh, really, really early pro tip for fantasy dynasty players, go get Jordan Addison. He might be the, he might be the guy, but um, no, I, I like it. Not that um, I didn't think KJ Osborne was a guy that they could rely on as a wide receiver too, but this to me opens the door of possibilities a little bit more because it's more of, you know what, you know what Kirk is. He's going to be, he, he, he needs some weapons. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the league. You have TJ Hawkinson. You can't be a, just that one trick, two trick pony. You need, um, you, you need to be able to have those that like plan B, plan C option as well. And that's where I think Jordan Addison is going to slot in. Um, it's just a matter of how quickly he's able to adjust to the pro game because you're not going up against, you know, Johnny Appleseed out of you know Western Kentucky who is two years removed from failing, you know you know high school algebra we're, we're talking about some of the best cornerbacks in the league freak athletes the best athletes in the world can he adjust and he's a great route runner and i think that's the, the thing that i think was highlighted the most about him is he's a very very good route runner so you're almost getting kind of what pre-prime adam Thielen was you're almost just replacing adam Thielen with a younger adam Thielen, which i think is um, a very nice move uh I, I'm a big fan of them not trading back. Jordan Addison was a good pick, and I think they later on addressed some other needs that uh, that uh, did a very good job of filling some holes. And, you know, uh, as I think it was coined earlier in the week, they're addressing the room by, by getting as many numbers in there as possible. 
and that's uh, that's a good job. So Jordan Addison is a good pick in my mind. Maybe not like a a plus grade or anything like that, but it's not it's not a, a bad pick by any means. Very uh, very above average grade. Um, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think he's going to be a very nice piece for them in the offense. Yeah, I completely agree. I think for the Minnesota Vikings and the offense, I would give it probably close to a B plus, um, maybe even close to an A minus, just because of again the fit in the scheme for the Minnesota Vikings and giving the Vikings that reliable number two, you know, opposed to or not opposed to, but next to Justin Jefferson. Uh, obviously, there were issues last year, you know, dealing with the double teams that Justin Jefferson were was getting, and then you had to look at okay, who's getting the ball now, Hawkinson, who's getting it now, you know. That was an issue literally all season. So one of the things that I kept highlighting, kept highlighting was the importance of getting a number two receiver. And, you know, I like Osborne, too. I think he maybe could have stepped into that role as well. But I like Addison a little bit better. AJ kind of hit it right on the head. He's a great route runner. He might be the best route runner in this draft. Um, And so 2021 is probably where he had his best year playing playing with uh, Pittsburgh, where he had – close to 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns. This past year wasn't as good, just 875 yards to eight touchdowns, but still very, very productive. I wasn't mad at it at all. AJ, man, when you say for content, Will Levis would have been amazing. Park Tavern, man, it was ready to explode when Will Levis fell to 23. Ready to explode. Everybody, I honestly, and and I've talked about how much I do not, want the Vikings to draft Will Levis. I'm not the biggest fan of his. I won't go down that rabbit hole again. But literally, I think everybody, including Phil, even Phil Mackey, I feel like was falling into that. You know, go ahead. Like, we're on a quarterback. Like, everybody's feeling good. Everybody's like, you know, it's, it's there. Like, why not do that pick? I mean, the, everybody was almost chanting for Will Levis. And then Addison was chosen. And it was like, Okay, <laughs> slow claps. Okay, that's great, but ah, we want to will this, but we're not mad at this, you know. I the think thing I think is funny, and sorry to cut you off here, is just yeah. like I don't know about you guys, but it, I found myself maybe other than solely the wild because that's like my I if you cut me open, I'm bleeding, you know, iron range green and wild red, but some of this other stuff. I'm almost like for the sake of just like what our work is, I kind of want the content pick at times or like, I want you to make the trade. That's going to like make our jobs a little easier. And I, that's a huge fault. That's a huge fault of mine because that's where my head's at for some of that. But like, like you were saying, and granted for, especially for, for Phil and Judd and Declan, oh my God, they must've been absolutely buzzing up there on all all that. This is surly. I mean, I, Chris Ron said they had like 18 pitchers that they went through for the night for the whole crew. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure everybody, you know, with feeling good, feeling fine. When you see Will Levis drop to 23, why, why not? But, uh, but yeah, now that we're, like you said, now that we're kind of removed a little bit, I think had that room room been stone cold, sober, like totally (laughs) right. Straight thinking, like I'm, I'm sure people are ripping off their jer- or their jerseys and like wa- waving them like towels because that, in reality, that's the right pick. But I'll back to your thoughts. Sorry about that. No, no, no. Literally, uh, that that was basically it. I, I like the pick. I, I like the pick a lot. Like I said, the Vikings desperately needed a number two receiver. I I still wish they would have got a vet at number at at the number two receiver spot. That would have been nice. Um, if they could go get and just throwing some names out there again, if they could have get if they could have got one of the Broncos receivers, um, and Jerry Judy and Sutton, if they could have made a move potentially for maybe an Odell Beckham Jr., if they could have went and got somebody along those lines, I would have been even happier. But 
at least in Addison, you're getting a, I think a very young um, rookie receiver on a rookie scale contract that you don't have to worry about paying right away. And Justin Jefferson pretty soon is up for a massive payday too. And so I think overall, when you look at it, big picture, I thought it was the, I thought it was the correct move. I was slightly shocked because I really truly thought it would either be Will Levis or Joy Porter Jr., who I said that you cannot pass up on. But when I heard Jordan Addison's name, I'm like, you know what? That's that's pretty solid. That's 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 you. I I believe you need that maybe even more than you need another cornerback, you know. And so I wasn't mad at it. I like to pick the production is there. You know, he is a bit undersized. He is a bit undersized. He is a bit light. Um, but at the same time, again, he's one of the best route runners in the game. And uh, I think he'll he'll do a heck of a job of getting open and, and being a number two receiver. Can I offer you guys a visual demonstration, even though this is a podcast? This was me pretty much when the Vikings were about to make their selection at 23, because I really actually believed in my heart that Will Levis was going to be that selection. I was just up in my chair, literally (laughs) grasping it like this, just staring at the TV. I'm like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Whenever a quarterback is involved in the first round with your team, there is hardly something that is more exhilarating when you're about to make that selection, right? Um, He fell. Um, I think we all expected that he was probably the most likely guy to fall ended up falling all the way to the second round of the Titans. And I think that actually worked out really well for Tennessee. Um, they've got a lot of other issues on their team right now, but that's a good guy to have in development as Ryan Tannehill plays out the last year of his contract. But yeah, I really thought it was going to be Will Levis. I was ready for that pick. And I was probably in the same camp as a lot of the Vikings fans at Park Tavern. It took me a second to kind of like... Okay, it's Jordan Addison. Okay, all right, all right. Because I think a lot of people expected, all right, if it's not going to be Will Levis, then maybe it's going to be a defensive player like Joey Porter Jr. Or maybe some of the defensive linemen that were still on the board at that point. Maybe a guy like even like Nolan Smith, who ended up going to the Eagles again. Jeez, it was so funny. (laughs) While I was like looking at all like the draft reaction, it was like, all right, who were the draft winners besides the Eagles? Because it was so obvious that they were the day one winners. We have to actually find somebody else who didn't completely just dominate day one. So Howie Roseman. Um, Anyway, so yeah, it totally took me a second to just calm down. Okay, it's not Will Levitz. All right, that's fine. It's Jordan Addison. And once I kind of realized that, I'm like, okay, so I'm kind of fine with this pick for all the reasons that you guys laid out. Really good route running. Uh, He actually does have some deep threat ability. His speed isn't really much of something that's talked about, especially because I think he finished like in the 20s among the receivers at the combine for the 40-yard dash. So he's maybe not the fastest guy, but watching some of the highlight tape, I mean, he was still able to beat corners and Playing in a you know a bigger conference like the Pac-12, I mean he's facing some pretty uh, decent competition there. So I thought he looked pretty good on the tape, especially this past year. You know some people are worried about maybe the touchdown production. I believe he only had like two or three in his last seven games at USC. And considering who his quarterback is, I mean I, Caleb Williams is probably going to be the number one pick in next year's draft. I mean that's at least what all the projections are saying. There's plenty of time for that to change, obviously. Um, but I'm not too really. And honestly, this is my case with a lot of college players for the most part I don't tend to dwell a ton on the stats because that's not necessarily something that does translate to the NFL I mean there's so many variables Um, guys that were absolute studs in college might just be you know guys that play special teams in the NFL for like nine years you just never really know how that's going to pan out and I'm not saying that's going to happen with Jordan Addison I think there's definitely some ability here 
maybe even some punt returning too, even though I don't think we necessarily need him to do that. He has done that in college. And so that's uh, pretty interesting. Um, but like, like AJ said, actually, um, I, I mean, he pretty much stole my take. He does remind me a lot of Adam Thielen, especially with the route running. He, where he's going to beat you is at the line of scrimmage uh, for the most part. Because of that speed, he's not going to really beat you a ton on one-on-one, even though he can do that. So he is going to, you know, those quick moves right at the line of scrimmage to get open, something that Adam Thielen did really, really well, something that Justin Jefferson also does probably even better. And so, um, yeah, I think that's going to pair really well with JJ just because, I mean, the connection with him and Adam Thielen works really well for those first few years. So if we can simulate at least some of that similar production, that's going to be, that's going to be really cool. And so um, this first year, I don't really know how much I'll have for expectations for him, um, especially because Justin Jefferson's on the opposite side, TJ Hawkinson. We still need to figure out what we're going to do with our running backs, guys. Dalvin Cook still. On this roster, um, there were all those rumors swirling about him potentially being traded in the draft. The Miami Dolphins seemed to be the leading candidate. Um, there's even been maybe some speculation that the Dolphins are still interested right now, even though I know that they drafted a running back, I think in like the third or the fourth round. So I don't, I don't necessarily that, um, know. That, yeah, they literally, they, I believe, seventh round. They got a running back in the seventh round, and he, oddly enough, oddly enough was probably my, like, second favorite pick for the Vikings. <laughs> oh, you're, you're no. talking about the Vikings' seventh-round yes. pick? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, the Vikings. Uh, they got Dwayne McBride. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He mm -hmm. He's honestly, and not to cut you off, but you brought up running backs, and that's something I definitely wanted to bring up at some point during the pod today because, I mean, the value that they got this guy, seventh-round, what, pick 222. But this guy's a stud, man. I'm hoping that he makes the roster. I think he can also be a special teams guy that can return punts, like you said earlier. But literally 1,700 yards, 19 touchdowns this past season, 7.4 yards a carry, 7.4 yards a carry. Like, dude, is he doesn't have – he's not necessarily fast, but he's really quick. And, he, dude, he's nice. He he is nice. So I was, I was shocked they was able to get him. But this running back class this year – um, was really deep and so it's not too shocking but it, Dalvin Cook is gone uh, in my in my mind and that's no disrespect to him I I'm assuming somehow some way he's not going to be there especially with this pick because I think this young man should definitely make yeah. the roster I think he could play I think he can play right alongside Alexander Madison and be you know maybe a one-two punch or you know, be that third running back. I, I think he I think he belongs on the roster. If he plays anything in the NFL like he did in college, he is going to be a solid number two running back for sure. Yeah. And um, like I was saying, too, like the Dolphins also drafted a running back and I think they drafted one fairly early. So I I, I don't know if they're still in the market now for potentially Dallin Cook. I, I really don't know what we're going to do uh, with him, but uh, that definitely needs to play out because, again, we can't pay him. 10 million dollars and frankly no nfl team should pay him that much money uh the last thing though i want to say really about jordan addison and actually with this whole run of wide receivers as a whole and i think it's fair to pose this question and this is not a knock on jordan addison whatsoever because i don't think he will be the guy I actually have a hunch of who will be out of these four guys but this is the question you have to pose when you are involved in a run, especially with a one a run of wide receivers because i feel like this has a tendency to happen in drafts did we pick the bust? Because look, the odds of Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba 
and Jordan Addison all panning out to actually be like true first round talent players is pretty slim. It, it just is just by uh, the odds of the NFL. And so when you get involved in a run like this, that's something that is always popping in the back of my head. It's just like, mm, did we potentially pick the guy that is not going to pan out here? I don't think that's the case with Jordan Addison. I think there's a lot of good college tape behind all that. I don't think there's, I don't think that's going to be the case with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's probably the most talented receiver in this entire class. And frankly, the situation he gets to go to, to be behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is just absolutely ideal for him. He's going to find a fantastic home up there in Seattle. Zay Flowers, I think actually, and again, I'm just, armchair quarterback in this one. I actually think Zay Flowers has the biggest chance to maybe not pan out of these four because he is pretty much a big boomer bust speed kind of wide receiver. Um, literally, I mean, he, he's been come to guys like Tavon Austin, Travis Benjamin, guys who literally are just built on speed and that's how they get open by just beating you one-on-one. Um, looking at some of his tape, he does have a little bit of decent route running ability, but most of his big plays at Boston College were just some of those big, deep chunks that were 20 to 30 yard plus, or even some of them that was taken to the house for more than 50 yards. Um, so if, if I were a betting man, and I'm not much of one, I mean, we still need to legalize that here in the state of Minnesota. We're working on that. I would bet that Zay Flowers would be the guy that doesn't pan out as well as Jordan Anderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, Quentin Johnson. But again, when you are involved in a run, no matter really what position it is, but I think this has a tendency to happen a lot with receivers and other offensive players like quarterbacks as well. It, uh, it is a question that you have to at least think to yourself. All right. Did we actually pick the guy that's going to pan out here? And again, I do think Jordan Addison will be uh, at least one of those guys that will actually have a pretty dang good career with the Minnesota Vikings. So that's just my thoughts about that. I don't know what you guys think. I think that like paranoia and fear is something that a lot like I feel like everybody has that just on really any pick, even if you have the first overall one, just because how many times have you seen that guy get drafted and then they're just, you know, then it's Baker Mayfield. No offense to Baker. That's not my idea of a first overall pick. You know, it's I I, I feel like there's that kind of you can have that with anything. Uh, like I like I you know said, these guys go from playing college football against guys that are, you know, as young as 19, 18 to guys that are Tanner Morgan's age in their mid 40s. So <laughs> it's uh it it's crazy to to think that just like Everybody just because like where they go is like there. That's a for that's a for sure franchise player. You know he's he's unbelievable. No, every everybody has the potential to be a bust, and everybody. I maybe not everybody, but uh, there's guys that have the high ceiling. It all depends too on like the situation you go to, which kind of what you touched on there is Addison. He's not going to a place where he has to slot in with a young, uh, like rebuilding quarterback and he has to be the number one guy and they're expecting him to you know put up a thousand yards easily in his first season and has to have 15 touchdowns and all this stuff he's going to be a fantastic complimentary guy to Justin Jefferson in an offense where he gets to learn from him he gets to learn the the secondary role from a guy like KJ Osborne and if those two guys are covered Guess what? They have TJ Hawkinson. So it's not like he had he he can have a bad game and honestly nobody's going to care. Because it's his one, it's his rookie season. 
Um, he he's going to be in a, I think a pretty good room um, just with the offensive mind. That is Kevin O'Connell. Granted, I want to see more of that offensive mind this year. Cause we didn't really get, I think STs that much as much last year, but um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think situation wise, he himself hit the lottery. Cause you could have gone, I, I'm trying to think like what, where I, I wouldn't want to go to the Texans right now, despite them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to go to the Colts right now. Like there there's a, for it, as much as teams are drafting the players, players are hoping in certain areas that they get drafted by specific teams. And you saw that, I think with, well, I, I think it was one of the D tackles that went <laughs> They went to the Patriots and maybe it was just miscommunicated poorly and it was a bad camera shot, but it was like you selected to the uh, D tackle, whatever Oregon to the new England Patriots. And then he's just like sitting there just like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Bill's so yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure getting drafted here and I, I it's going to be a very welcoming environment for Jordan Addison. It's you're, you're, you're not bringing a flower home from, you know, Bachman's and putting it in like the worst soil of all time. It's a great, you have a, uh, you have a perfect pot. You have rich soil. You have that ever grow stuff that you can like, supply for the nutrients and all that it's going to be a great place for him to uh, just grow as a football player 100 percent agree aj you literally took the words right out of my mouth it, it really comes down to organi- an organizational fit it comes down to a scheme fit it comes down to who are you playing alongside of and when you have justin jefferson already on the roster he's going to get all the attention from defenses that's just the fact he's going to get most of the attention he's going to get most of the touches in the offense and you still have hawkinson and you still have a running game and so it's he's not required to do a ton. I think all he's really required to do is take a bit of the attention away from Justin Jefferson. Give defenses a different look. Give them a different look where they can't just double team and triple team Justin Jefferson or, or bracket him all game because this young guy on the other side of the football field can also get open and score touchdowns. And so I think it's a, a, a really perfect fit. I even think, you know, even though I like, I like JSN playing with Seattle, I prefer – for Addison to be the number two receiver because that means he's still going to get opportunities within the offense as well. I'm not saying that JSN will not get all, not get all opportunities with the Seattle Seahawks, but he'll be, what, the third receiver there? Mm-hmm. And so they're really going to have to just go out of their way to find, you know, the, the to, to get him the football, opposed to Addison, you're the second receiver. And so naturally you're going to get those touches. You're going to get that experience. You're going to get the number two corner. And a lot of teams this year in the NFL have really solid number two corners that he'll go up against two every week. So he can learn in that offense. KLC is going to make sure he touches the football because I'm pretty sure KLC was happy with this pick and really wanted this pick as well um, for a system fit. And so, again, I I don't think – I think he's going to be perfect. I don't think he's going to come out immediately and beat Justin Jefferson 2.0. I don't believe that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to come out and and be dominant right away. But I do think he's a guy who – by year two or three is going to be a very, very solid number two receiver in the league, just given everything he has to play with. And he has Kirk Cousins, at least this first year, his rookie year, throwing him the football. And we all talk about, you know, Kirk Cousins, is is he the guy to put the team over the hump? Is he going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Is he that guy? He may or may not be that guy. I think we've all kind of decided that he's not that guy, but he's still accurate with the football. He still has a heck of an arm. He still can get you the football where you want it, where you want the ball on the field. And so I think it's a great fit. And uh, I don't I don't think he'll be one of those bus players coming out of this draft. 
Yeah, you, there's you no. You know who he's gonna get? You know who he's gonna get after that first year with Kirk Cousins? <laughs> Jaron Hall, quarterback, NYU. <laughs> yes. What'd you guys think yes. about that pick? I I wanted to bring that up too. I thought it was very interesting. I, I real quick for that transition. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> kudos. 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 Because I definitely I definitely want to discuss that really quick. Uh, I thought. I mean, I I had to look him up. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not even gonna sit up here and act like I knew exactly who it was and all of his numbers. But when you look at the numbers, you know, I know Jason brought up not looking too deep in the numbers, and I definitely understand that because college numbers can be a bit inflated at times, depending on the system, depending on the competition. You know, you I don't even want to get into the, the joke. I was going to crack. I'll leave that for another day. Uh-uh. But, you know, a little over 3000 passing yards, 31 touchdowns to just six interceptions. I love a college quarterback who isn't throwing double digit interceptions. So I, I will point that out. I do love a quarterback being efficient with the football. He ran a four six. A four six forty zoom 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 um, wow. at the at the at the combine, his forty yard dash. And so he's he can run a little bit. He's a little mobile as well. And so I didn't mind it. I, I, I didn't mind it. I think he's obviously he's coming in to be more so a backup. I don't think they're gonna be grooming him to be the starter next year. I think in next year's draft or next year's free agency pool, they'll be looking for their full time starter. But you know, I, I think it was I think from what I've seen from just looking up, to be honest, looking up highlights and like looking into the numbers, I think he'd be a solid backup quarterback. I wouldn't be, you know, God forbid Kirk Cousins get hurt or something like that during the season. You know, I'd be a little nervous with throwing him out there, but I think he I think he'd be pretty decent given what I've seen and you know, given the numbers and given him being efficient with the football, it's just about not turning the ball over when you're a rookie coming into the league or you know, a backup quarterback. Just don't turn the ball over. Don't don't beat yourself is what it's about. And I don't think he's a quarterback that's going to come out and do that. So I wasn't mad at it. I wasn't mad at it at all. And you yeah. never know. He might turn out to be amazing. Yeah. You never know. He might be a doc. He, he might be Tom Brady 2.0. You never know, gentlemen. You never know. You never know. You never know. Uh, yeah, it's it's a flyer. You know what I mean? Um, and, and frankly, it seems like, and maybe this is just, Vikings fans being a little gun shy because we went through the Kellen Mond experience. It seems like any quarterback after like the fourth round is just like, all right, let's just kind of like see what happens. They're still going to be drafted fairly ish early, at least the ones that are maybe like top 10 quarterbacks. They'll probably like where Jaron Hall landed like in the fifth round. But at this point, I mean, it is the most valued position in pretty much all the sports. So it's, it's not surprised for the Vikings to do this, but I mean, this isn't, I mean, this isn't like a seventh round pick. I mean, this is kind of like taking, I don't know, a defensive end in the seventh round. If you kind of kind of equate that to that kind of thing, but no, no, I, I had seen this guy's name. That is the extent of it. Artist has done way more research than me. I will give him credit for that, at <laughs> least because I haven't even looked up any of stats with this guy. I just know that he plays at BYU and hope he's not Zach Wilson 2.0. Um, <laughs> I heard that. that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, we'll see. If you can be better than Nick Mullins or Sean Mannion, then that's the best case scenario, in my opinion. And frankly, that might not be hard to do. I still like Nick Mullins as a backup quarterback. He's got some starting experience, so maybe Jaron probably end up on the practice squad, especially because we did re-sign Nick Mullins. I mean, sure, he could be cut. Jaron could force his hand, but I don't necessarily anticipate 
that I think this is just the kind of move where he, let's let's just practice squad this guy for a year and let's let's see what happens. Maybe he's got something. But in terms of the rest of the draft, how it played out for the gentleman, uh, I am very encouraged. Not specifically with the names that the Vikings selected, but mostly with the positions. They drafted the most premium positions out of any NFL team in the draft. Uh, they had six total picks, and they spent that on six premium positions, which include wide receivers, cornerbacks, defensive linemen, quarterbacks, and running backs. In this case, obviously, Jordan Addison with our first pick. Then we addressed cornerback in the next two picks with Mackie Blackman and Jay Ward out of USC and LSU. Got another LSU guy, too, defensive tackle Jacqueline Roy. We talked about Jaron Hall from BYU. And then we also talked about Dwayne McBride out of UAB. Um, this is encouraging to me. Um, because this is, I mean, I mean, obviously like these are positions that we needed to address no matter what, but it just makes me think that Quasi is aware of just what actually in the NFL in terms of position wise makes it actually click, makes it actually run, makes it actually have the world go around. It's these positions, it's receivers, it's cornerbacks, it's guys on the, on the defensive line, quarterbacks and running backs too. So I'm encouraged that like the Vikings didn't actually pick guys that maybe like they took a flyer on like a tackle or something like that, just because maybe he was the best guy available on their board, which I know there is some risk when you do that, when you specifically target just the positions that maybe you need to address, or maybe other ones that you prioritize the most that can bite you in the butt because sometimes the best player available is the way to go. But I don't think the Vikings necessarily reached on many of these picks just based off the grades I was looking at. And I know like when we're talking about draft grades for seventh round picks and stuff like that, I mean, we we can't really take them entirely seriously. But for the most part, um, these were pretty they, they were safe picks for the most part, but they still I mean, they just have these premium positions just also happen to be positions that the Vikings just were desperately in need of. So I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by this draft. I know that a lot of people were a little bit iffy after Quasi's first draft. And all I got to say, just to wrap up anything, I mean, if this rookie class can even play even 50% more than what the rookie class did this past season, it will be a it will be a complete success. It will be an absolute success because, and not when not with that, we're ruling out that the 2022 draft class is a bust or anything like that. There were some injuries involved and stuff like that, but they, they just didn't play and they didn't start games. And it was some of the least amount of games that were played by rookies out of any NFL team. So if this class can actually get on the field a little bit, that's what I'm going to be most encouraged by. I was a little shocked, though, that the Vikings, because, yes, they drafted Jordan Addison in the first round. They passed on Nolan Smith, who would have been a darn good pick as well at 23. I'm shocked that they, they didn't draft an edge rusher in this draft. And it makes me think they must have a plan to bring back um, Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter. Um, just want to throw that out there because that yeah. definitely kind of had me like, I thought for sure you're going to lose one of them. You're probably going to lose Sedarius Smith after he basically comes out and says he, does, he doesn't want to be a Viking anymore. I don't know how you keep him after that. <laughs> I just I don't know how he stays in Minnesota after that. So I thought for sure an edge rusher was coming at, so, at some point. But there must be conversations behind the scene that, that we obviously you know don't know about. And they didn't go edge at any point. So that was the only real shocker for me. I was kind of thrown off by. I thought for sure that was going to be a pick at some point. But what do I know? Trust KLC. <laughs> hey. Trust Casey. Hey, hey y'all, they, they did their due diligence and they and they drafted what they felt was necessary. So I'm not mad at it. Yeah, no, neither am I. And we'll have to see what happens for the most part. Uh, 
yeah, I've heard some people saying that a Mackie Blackman might be a reach of a pick. And that is it, is it really quick? I, I guess I've been saying it all wrong. All wrong. Is it Mackie? I thought it was Mackay. Is it? Uh, okay, because I. This is only me I saying. I'm, that I'm solely asking I because I've, I've had like seven conversations about him so far, and I've said Makai every single time. Maybe it so, is. Mm. I know who, but there's a player for the Jets, isn't there? A Mekki Becton that is, has a similar name. I think he's like a tackler or something See, out I, of Louisville, and so that I, I thought his name if, was Makai. Well, no, well, <laughs> it probably is. It probably is. But, you know, the only reason I bring that up is because I know that people, like, were saying that guy's name instead oh. of Blackman's name. Like, I, I heard people saying that all, like, throughout the draft coverage, just screwing up those names. So, I just – Mr. Blackman is what I'm going to call him. Movie. Mr. Blackman, which sounds – sounds like a dignified gentleman now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I heard maybe he was – a reach from some people, but I, again, I don't know. I saw him like at least kind of mocked in like the second or the third round. So I don't think that's too much for a reach. I, it's just good that the Vikings address the cornerback position, I think with those next two picks. So it is, uh, it is kind of, you know, flip of the coin. We'll see what happens with these picks. But again, I think we are all incredibly encouraged by the Jordan Addison pick, even though yes, maybe there were some defensive players, maybe even some defensive linemen, some edge rushers available at 23 that may have uh, gone paired really well with the Vikings but you know we have to remember that Kevin O'Connell is an offensive minded head coach so maybe he maybe as that the, as the board fell and he saw all those receivers fall and he maybe leaned over in the question and said oh, hey you know, uh, you know Jordan Addison you know just uh, come on come on. Yeah. yeah quick fact check in the middle of this I did I did just look it up it is Makai Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. That's good. To just, know. just because I hate getting people's name wrong. I know. I, I, I hate know. getting people. I it, it's they it's like this guy has worked since he was in third grade and he's put in the hours and he's gotten up at the crack of dawn and he's he can lift a Mack truck if he wanted to just so me I can <laughs> mispronounce his name. Absolutely not. I'm getting it right. I hear so that. I'm gonna forget that too, so I'm just gonna stay with Mr. Blackman. I'm just gonna stay with Mr. Blackman, <laughs> like Mr. Ward, Mr. Roy, Mr. Hall, like Mr. McBride, dignified gentlemen. Please help us win a Super Bowl, guys, if you don't mind. All right, uh, let's move on to maybe a more sour topic: uh, the Minnesota Wild, eliminated in six games to the Dallas Stars. Oh, why does this have to keep happening to Minnesota sports teams? Guys, 50 straight seasons. If you combine the Vikings, Twins, Timberwolves, and Wild, 50 straight seasons of championshipless appearances for these teams. I, I think the next city that has the four, big four teams in it is at like 30 straight seasons. So we are blowing that record out of the water and just for whatever reason, just it seems like it's culminated this whole past week. Uh, in Minnesota sports, obviously, we had the Timberwolves getting eliminated. But the Wild, we had a lot of hope for the Wild. Me and AJ even felt a tingle a couple weeks ago. We were feeling really good about this squad. And it ended pretty much exactly the same as it's ended the last couple seasons. More specifically last year, losing in six games to the Blues. Specifically with game six. Uh, where, where were we? <laughs> we did, it's like we didn't put anybody out on the ice. Uh, we didn't show up. It was really disappointing. The crowd was so energized, like AJ had predicted on, on the show last week, uh, as Wild fans always do for their team. But And I know that AJ is way more disappointed about how this all played out than I am. But I don't know. Guys, what were your reactions to just another, another disappointing run for the Minnesota Wild when we probably had more hope than we'd had in the last couple seasons? 
the game six loss was very frustrating because they started off actually incredibly hot. They were buzzing. I thought that the, they set the tempo of we're, we're winning this game. We're going back to Dallas. And then they had, there was one instance, it was like five to 10 minutes in the first period. They go down. I think it was Ryan Hartman almost scored. Like the puck was like behind the goal. He was on the goal line. It didn't go in. And then Dallas within a matter of 30 seconds, like worked it back down to the wilds defensive zone, passed it around shot scored. They totally shut down after that. And whether you think like the fans didn't back them up and keep them energized or whatever, that should not be an excuse because this is the NHL playoffs. This is the Stanley cup playoffs. If you can't battle the adversity of letting the, uh, the opposing team score on you, I don't what like, what do you want? I know you just came off a shutout against you the game before in game five, because Jay Cottinger is an absolute robot. He's a cyborg, but like, what are we, what are we doing here? It was the lowest, like they flipped the light switch of just like full, like heavy metal, like guns blazing. We're charging into like the battlefield to, I want to curl up under a blanket with a nice book. It, it it was just so it was so I'm not gonna say pathetic to watch because I like I said I still love the team and I don't want to like rip them that blatantly for but it hurt it physically pained me to watch I was talking to Grant Wenkstern about it the the what I thought about and why maybe it like wasn't like that impactful like oof like gut punch is because it was just so I I watched it happen it was the equivalent of like. If if you've had to like put in put a pet down just because of like old age, you know it's coming. It, they, like they're in your arms, and you're like, I can't do anything because it's just the circumstance of what it is. That's what it was. It was like watching a pet die in your arms. I I couldn't handle it because it's just it was the 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 compete level was just so poor. So poor. And then, and then, but, and then, and granted, they showed a little bit of life late in the third, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to make it a game. No, you, you had 60 minutes to do that. And you waited for, you, you, you did it for the first 10 and then you waited till the final 10. What, what? did you call them? The furious rallies when they yeah, do that? The old furious rallies. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. It just, it, 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 like I said, it, it hurts. It hurts because this is a team that I felt was incredibly well equipped to make a deep playoff run. And then and and granted, does it help my feelings that like two days later the greatest regular season in NHL history is now cast asunder because the Boston Bruins lost in seven games? That makes me feel a little bit better. But at the same time, like how, the how come the wild just can't do that? It's it's such an easy question with an answer that nobody can answer. Like, why can't they just compete for 60 full minutes every single night and show that they actually want the cup like every single other team that's in the playoffs? It's 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 painful. It's painful. Oh, well, they got hurt and people were battling. Everybody, everybody is battling an injury. Every team is shorthanded. There might be a guy in the Maple Leafs that's battling a bullet wound for all I know. Guess what he's out there doing? Putting on 13 minutes of time on ice with four block shots because that's what hockey players do in the playoffs. 
We uh, the cup run in twenty, I want to say twenty twelve or thirteen for the Bruins or whatever it was. Patrice Bergeron was basically in a full body cast by the end of that thing. He had a punctured lung. He was playing. Like you have to battle through it. And you, I, I, I don't want to hear it. And then we get the uh, the, the post season press conferences, and um, Kaprizov said he was fine. He said he was fine. It's just he couldn't get back in a rhythm heading into the playoffs. That's I can't. I Kirill, I would, I would take a bullet for you, but that is unacceptable. Do not tell me that. Lie to me. Don't tell me you couldn't get in a rhythm. Lie to my face because. To say that you're getting paid eight, nine million dollars and you couldn't get into a rhythm, I, I like, I, and granted, it's a, it's a high paced sport. I understand it's a physical sport. You got getting just you couldn't get into a rhythm is a, such a tough explanation for me to hear. On one hand, I said lie to me, but I also do appreciate the honesty. It's like it's that's my battle there. So I don't know. Um, it's. Yeah, it's 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 just tough because yeah. like they, they the post the, the the press conferences they all said the right words and they said everything they're supposed to and it's the textbook we got we get, you know why they know how to say it it's because we do it every year <laughs> I that's why they're so good at it that like I, I shouldn't be surprised I I shouldn't be surprised that's how good they are at doing these press conferences after getting bounced in the first round. Um, and uh, it's it's so frustrating. What it does partly suck because um, you're gonna you're not gonna have a guy like uh, Oscar Sunquist around anymore. They just can't afford him. Ryan Reeves is maybe really the only guy that uh, they are gonna be able to keep around of the remaining uh, mm-hmm. pending free agents. Um, I know they re-signed Marcus Johansson. I like that deal. It's a decent AAV of like two million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Dumba yep. made me legitimately tear up. I know. That was so sad, um, and that's because I'm an emotional guy. I'm not. I'm not going to hide it. I'm emotional. I'm an emotional guy when I want to be, but I do want to say for the wild fans out there that are like, don't let the past six games of him kind of like being in our corner and stuff. He, he's got to go. He has to go. I love Matt Dumba. He's a fantastic person. Um, I think that he. I think I still think that he has the potential to be a very good hockey player. Uh, maybe not like the potential wise, because I'm like, we know what he is, but in the sense of a consistently good, impactful player every night in the lineup, he just hasn't been that for the wild over the past couple of seasons. He's worth too much money. The wild can't hold on to him. Don't let the emotional stuff and his very, like I said, good press conference be like, oh, we got to keep him. Look, that's just how sports is. So you, the contracts run out. You have to move on. Um, you can cheer for him in whatever jersey he's going to go to. Like, like I said, I, I think who he is, everything he does on the ice, off the ice, he's a leader in the locker room. He's a fantastic leader in the community, which I think, um, is something that he has made a point to become over the last like decade of being with the wild. Um, it was a great swan song. And I really wish that he could have ended it on, you know, a little bit better notes than a first round exit, but that's uh, that's just something that you know, as fans, we have to deal with. So that's that's kind of my end of season eulogy for the Wild. It's it sucks, but uh, you know, it's not like we haven't been here before. Yeah, well, we, we will now lay them to rest. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I agree with Dumba too. I mean, that press conference was 
some of the most emotional I've ever seen a Minnesota athlete here in town. Um, it, it was very apparent to him that the writing was pretty much on the wall. He understands, I think, that there's going to be some cap. I mean, th- this team is st- still got to deal with the Parisi and Suter buyouts for a couple more seasons. So this is unfortunately a symptom of that. It was kind of a symptom of moving on from Kevin Fiala, too, even though the Wild uh, made good on getting some really good pieces like Brock Faber back in that trade. It's just kind of how it's just kind of how the dominoes fall in this kind of case. Um, but yeah, it is a very disappointing end of the season. It started off so encouraging and actually back to Matt Dumber really quick. I think my lasting memory of him, um, at, at least if I try to pinpoint one game, I will remember him in game one and just how good he was in game one and how all over the ice he was putting plenty of shots on net. That was pretty impressive. And so I'm glad we got to see, and I think that's like as peak, form Dumba as you can pretty much see at any time so I'm glad we got to see at least one more like really truly uh outstanding performance out of him before it's probably likely that he is like you said going to move on uh to another team next season uh, my one lasting memory of him is going to be his goal in the stadium series game um, yeah sure that, like that was the perfect sure. the flurry of snow he's got the eye black on he goes like <laughs> screaming like an animal into the corner banging against the glass I mean that that is him as a hockey player and yeah. just like his energy level. So yeah, uh, that's my lasting memory of Matt Dumba mm-hmm. and all the off the ice stuff. I mean, he's become a huge ambassador for the game the last several years for a whole bunch of reasons. And it's no matter where he's going to go, he's going to be a positive influence in that locker room. He wears the alternate captain patch for a reason. Uh, and who knows, maybe you could earn that at another team as well. Uh, you mentioned flurries as well in the stadium series. Speaking of flurries, Mark Andre flurry has mentioned that he does want to stick around with the team. He said in his press conference that he's just sick of moving, doesn't want to uproot his family yeah. again. He's at the tail end of his career. And so he's basically said, if the wild want him back, he will come back. And he said he will come back in whatever role that uh, they want him to. If that's not as a full-time starter, if that's as a backup, he said, he's totally fine with that. It was really encouraging about Philip Gustafson moving forward about being the wilds. A top gold enter, uh, even though I think we still think that, yeah, there's probably something a little bit left in the tank with Marc-Andre Fleury. I know that the playoffs was a, a disaster for him, but in terms of like regular season production, he could still be fairly competent. And so if that's a possibility for the wild to bring him back, I definitely uh, would be fine with that. Um, but well, just, he, I, again, he should already be back because he's got one oh, more year he? on his, he's, oh, yeah, they sent him to a two year deal last off season. There we so go. He's got at least one more, de- one more year. Fantastic. All it right. was more of a question of whether or not he's going to retire. And he said, right. uh, he, he said he will not retire multiple times. And in go. terms of like, if he wants to be traded, he's like, I don't want to move anymore. So he, he will be back. Fantastic. Okay. We're down for that. Got to keep watering the plants for another year. I like that. (laughs) Uh, So the last thing I really just want to bring up, um, and I think AJ highlighted this a ton, which is how he was describing how things kind of went down in the last game. Um, How much can we pin this another round of playoff woes on the head coach, Mr. Dean Everson? Um, this has been a topic of conversation pretty much that we've been having a ton here at score North, uh, since the playoffs ended last Friday. And this is now the third straight or actually now four straight years, um, that Dean has been bouncing the first round started with Vancouver in the bubble, then Vegas, then St. Louis, and now Dallas. And I know that there were a lot of criticisms of him, maybe not making as many adjustments. Um, we shuffled the lines, uh, but maybe that was a little too little, little too too little too late in game six um i'm hesitant to say that the wild are going to make a change here i think 
probably the same argument I made with Chris Finch with the Timberwolves. I just think that maybe there were some, maybe some injuries, things at the end that maybe give them a little bit of leeway, but still, I mean, we can criticize how actually they performed in the playoffs. And there were probably criticisms of Chris Finch that are, I think, very similar to what Dean Evison went through as well. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, AJ? Do you think that the wild could make a move here or do you think Dean still has a little bit of leash left? I would be fine if they moved on. Um, he's proven to be non-effective as a coach in the postseason, which is the, arguably the most important time to actually do the the whole you know coaching thing. Um, and it's tough because I like to make it a point. I never want to like call for somebody's job. I I don't want to you know. It's you know at the same at the end of the day, he's a guy that's trying to work because he loves hockey. Um, I, I guess I have known that a couple times with soccer, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, I would be fine if they moved on. However, I think come like the end of the off season, I think he's still going to be here. Maybe we'll have a couple like assistant coaching changes. Um, but I, I don't think Dean himself will be gone. Um, just because I, I think him and I think him and Billy Garen get along and like see eye to eye on like, the culture sort of side of things, but uh, I, I do need Dean to, he needs to like evaluate some of these other coaches and how they orchestrate things during the playoffs. Because even in the AHL, he was not a good postseason coach. He just doesn't get the job done. You need to be better there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm hesitant to believe that the Wild will make a move. Um, I know that some uh, some head coaches be, have begun to be fired. I know that Daryl Sutter lost his job up in Calgary, and so I know that some of those dominoes are starting to fall with maybe some teams that had some higher expectations going into the season and didn't ultimately. Um, Calgary just flat out missed the playoffs entirely, so there there was maybe some precedent to move on there. Um, yeah, I would expect that Dino will be back next season. Um, but Bill Guerin's not one to make just a, a, a quick move out of just, just off of emotions. Uh, and Bill Guerin wasn't going to be the guy that I think would ever fire a coach like immediately after season ended after a disappointing performance, he's going to do his, his best to like do his due diligence and, uh, just evaluate pretty much not only the head coaches, the alter, like the assistant coaches and everything, all the players. And so if, if a move does happen, maybe, maybe it'll Maybe it'll be soon. Maybe it'll be in a little bit, but I, I don't anticipate it. I think I, and I know that like the, again, like AJ said, there's no excuse for making um, the case for injuries for the wild in the playoffs. I know that Yule Erickson Eck was out, but if you actually looked at the stats uh, in last year's playoffs with Yule Erickson Eck, the center position for the wild scored, I think 10 or 11 points. And in this playoffs without him, the center position also scored like 10 or 11 points. So it's kind of the same with him and kind of the same without him in both playoff series. So, and again, this is the playoffs. A lot of guys are hurt. Dallas had a few guys out, obviously what happened to Joe Pavelski. He was out for most of the series. He did come back though. So that was at least encouraging, but yeah. Um, again, not trying to make the case for the injuries for Dino. There were just other things that happened in the series that were preventable, really had nothing to do with the injuries. And Unfortunately, it results in just another disappointing first round exit for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, going into next season, though, um, I want them to address the center position more so. I want to see I want to see Marco Rossi uh, play a full season if that could possibly happen. They need to decide what they're going to finally do with Kalen Addison. I don't know what they're going to do with that guy. Just either move on from him or let him play full time. One of the two. I just yeah, I feel bad. Um, but yeah, if if this results happens again next year. No matter what the cap situation, I mean, 
maybe then we can have more of a definitive conversation of what the head coaching uh, position should look like for the Minnesota Wild in the future. But as of right now, Dean Evison is the head coach. Something changes. We will obviously uh, bring it to you and talk about it on Taxi Squad. But I think we're anticipating that the Wild will still have Dean Evison in that head coaching role uh, next season. But still, dang it, guys. It's just one of these teams has to break through eventually, right? It's just the odds. This is mathematically impossible almost that we've gone 50 straight seasons without even a team getting to the championship round. It's just, I don't know what to do. And I mean, it's, I mean, I was about to say I could be, I could turn into a Boston fan, but that hasn't been going well the last couple of days for them, which is actually fine by me. So uh, anyway, RIP to the Minnesota wild 2023. We're hopeful about the Vikings guys. Got any final thoughts before we got to start wrapping up the squad of taxi tonight. Hey, I'm all in on baseball now. Let's get it. Hey, let's. I guess okay. let's go Twins, but also Cubs. Great signing, Cody Bellinger. Great signing, Dansby Swanson. Best shortstop in baseball. I I hate to do this, uh, but uh, hashtag Lake Show or No Show. Let's go to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the finals, fellas. Let's go, really, Brian. Ad. Let's so, go. So 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 quick here. What's it feel like? Probably the last time we're ever going to see like a legitimate good matchup between Steph Curry and LeBron James in the postseason. No, was it? Uh, it feels great. If it, it, it's it's bittersweet, it's bittersweet. Would you, would you say it's must watch television for any sports fan right now? For sure, for sure. Got, okay. gotta see it. I wish LeBron was a little younger, and I wish he was a little healthier because that foot seems to be bothering him a little bit. But it's still must see TV because the Lakers are playing great basketball right now. He has a great supporting cast around him. Probably one of the best supporting cast. He's had around him in a while. And so okay. it's going to be must-see TV. The, the Warriors are obviously the defending champs. Steph Curry just had a 50-burger in Game 7 against the Kings, so I am very nervous as a Lakers fan. Like but beam. we all – yes, <laughs> like the <laughs> beam. But I, I will always trust trust in the King, trust in the King. Because it's the first time they've played in the playoffs in like five years since their last finals appearance. Somewhere around Even when LeBron was still with Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that it's taken this long for these two to play each other in the Western Conference playoffs because LeBron's been uh, with the Lakers now for a couple of years. Um, yeah, it's going to be a must-watch TV, and uh, I don't know what's going on in the Eastern Conference. I think the Tom Thibodeau's making all the starters play 50 minutes. I don't know. We'll see what I know that Jimmy Buckets is hurt, though. I hope he's... I kind of like Jimmy Buckets. I kind of wish we had him and said Carl Anthony Towns. That's a conversation for another day. We got to wrap things up here on the Score North Taxi Squad. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, if you want to check us out, you can check us out on, let's see, we got Spotify. We've got Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to Apple Podcasts, though, give us a five-star rating. Why the hell wouldn't you? Uh, but the best way to support us is to go to scorenorth.com, download the Score North app, and find the Taxi Squad on there. Give it a download. You can find pretty much every Score North podcast on there. Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily, Judd's Hockey Show, Flagrant Howls, everything on the Score North app, scorenorth.com as well. But most importantly, Taxi Squad. Uh, my name is Jason Stormer. we got AJ Fredrickson and Artist Woods. We again, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Taxi Squad. We will be back next week. And until then, take care. Bye-bye. Have a blessed day.